0: let's pray together. Lord, just much on my heart and mind about your church today and the blessing of being in your church. And I pray that others feel that. What a joy to be here together in the house of the Lord and to worship you. Lord, I don't know what everybody's week's been like. Perhaps they've been long. Perhaps they've been difficult. Perhaps it's been a great and easy week. I don't know, but it's good to have these moments together to come into the house of the Lord and to worship together, to sing your praises, uh, to, to enjoy our children and the blessings that they b- bring to our lives and to enjoy each other and to hear the, the voices of one another and, and just to exalt your name. So thank you for that. We also thank you for the chance to gather around your word. As, as Terry shared, you, you gave us your word, that over thousands of years you wrote your word through various authors, and, but it's your word. It's your words for our life. And so, Lord, we pray that you would just inspire again today the reading, the hearing, the understanding, and the application of your holy word. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. We're we're continuing in John uh, chapter uh, 4. Bucky and I have actually been teasing. I hope Bucky's listening today because he's preaching for me later in November. And and uh we, we've been talking about how long it's taken me to move through john and he says so you may still be in john chapter four when i when i preach at the end in november but hopefully we won't still be there and, and bucky's actually preaching on the 20th by the way uh, on the theme of thanksgiving because the next weekend we'll enter into the season of season of advent it's hard to believe it's it's already here but we're just continuing to work through john uh, we'll take a little break at advent and and work on an advent theme and i'll share more about that later And then we'll jump back in uh, to John's gospel uh, in the new year. Remember last week in John chapter 4, we we looked at Jesus' encounter with the Samaritan woman uh, and and all that that had meant. And remember the disciples had been away through most of that encounter. And and now uh, they're back. So John chapter 4 verse 31 begins, Meanwhile, the disciples were urging him, saying, Rabbi, eat. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you do not know about. So the disciples said to one another, has anyone brought him something to eat? Jesus said to them, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. Do you not say there are four months, then comes the harvest? Look, I tell you, lift up your eyes and see that the fields are white for harvest. Already the one who reaps is receiving wages and gathering fruit for eternal life, so that sower and reaper may rejoice together. For here the saying holds, one sows and another reaps. I sent you to reap that for which you did not labor. Others have labored, and you have entered into their labor. Thanks be to God for his holy word. Amen. Well, it seems a woman was trying to... uh, get the ketchup out of the bottle and you know how difficult that uh, can be uh, sometimes nowadays we have squeeze uh, containers but back in the day they were all glass right and during her struggle the phone rang so she asked her five-year-old Amanda to answer the phone and when Amanda answered the phone she, she very obediently and, and gently said hello this is Amanda but then she said mommy can't come to the phone she's hitting the bottle such misunderstandings like that can cause all kinds of disturbances and they can be difficult to correct i'm sure the mom stammered just a bit as she came to the phone today we're continuing to work our way through john and what's going on here is the disciples much like the samaritan woman they just don't get it they don't understand what's going on and as I said last week we probably wouldn't either we saw last week that while Jesus was having a conversation with this woman the disciples were in town and they were buying food in our text today they've come back in verse 31 they're concerned that Jesus needed to eat they they say rabbi eat but Jesus replies verse 32 I have food to eat that you do not know about well, of course, the disciples don't understand. And, and so in verse 33, they begin to say, in effect, did you give him something to eat? No, well, well, well who did? Maybe this Samaritan woman gave him something to eat, or, or maybe one of the townspeople, who, who fed him? At this point, can you just see Jesus shaking his head and saying, fellas, fellas, slow down, slow down, you don't understand. My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. And I think in the conversation of this conversation with with a Samaritan woman, Jesus is saying that, that he found great nourishment in talking with this woman. He found great nourishment in seeking to save a lost soul. For him, that was far greater a blessing than any food could ever provide. And I think he reminds you and I in this text that our greatest blessings and the greatest blessing is our relationship with God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Sure, we need a certain amount of food. Sure, we need clothing. Sure, we need shelter. We need a certain amount of possessions to survive. But the real joy in our lives should be and can be when we know we're living within the will of God. Jesus lived to do God's will, that that was the essence of his life. And doing God's will gave Jesus great satisfaction. Compare, for just a moment, I want us to compare Christ's obedience and the satisfaction he got to Satan's disobedience. Isaiah 14 tells us of Satan's disobedience beginning with verse 12. How you are fallen from heaven, O day star, son of dawn. And that's Satan. How you are cut down to the ground, you who laid the nations low. You said in your heart, I will ascend to heaven above the stars of God. I will set my throne on high. I will sit on the mount of assembly in the far reaches of the north. Next slide. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will make myself like the most high. But you are brought down to Sheol, the place of the dead, uh, the, the underworld, to the far reaches of the pit. There are at least two things we see about Satan's disobedience in this text. First, he tried to rise above the station God had given him. He tried to go outside God's will for his life. He tried to ascend to heaven above the stars of God. He went so far as to try to make himself like the Most High. And secondly, he strongly asserted his will. Count the use of the pronoun I in these few verses, and you'll find that Uh, Satan used the word I five times in two verses. I will, I will, I will, I will, I will. How different that is from from Jesus who said, my food, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. Jesus fully submitted his life to God's will for his life. What about us? Are we willing to submit to God's will? James warns in chapter 4, verses 13 to 15, Come now, you who say today or tomorrow we'll go into such and such a town and we'll spend a year there and trade and we'll make a profit. Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time, and then it vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live, and we will do this and do that. It's about submitting to the Lord's will, folks. It's about finding pleasure and joy in submitting to his will. James Boyce writes that he's afraid we're something like the little girl of some time past who wrote her grandmother to thank her for her Christmas present. She wrote, Dear Grandma, thank you for the pincushion. I have always wanted a pincushion, but not very much perhaps we're like that we say to God God I'd like to know your will I've always wanted to know your will but not very much at least not the way you outline it in scripture I'm not sure I really want to surrender that much you see the point is that We're not only to know God's will, we're to surrender and do God's will. Jesus didn't say, my food is to know the will of God. He said in verse 34, my food is to do the will of him who sent me. Jesus didn't just give God lip service. And neither should we. You remember the parable Jesus told the Pharisees and the scribes about the two sons? In Matthew 21, beginning with verse 28, he asked, what do you think? A man had two sons, and he went to the first and said, son, go and work in the vineyard today. And he answered, I will not. But afterward, he changed his mind, and he went. And he went to the other son, and he said the same, and he answered, I go, sir. But he did not go. Which of the two did the will of his father? And they said, the first. You see, it's clear that we must do God's will. We must act. Now, now some of you are going to say, I know what you're thinking. You're going to say, well, you know, Danny, that's fine. I, I would do God's will if I just knew what God's will was. Well, I know what you mean. And I know you're asking, well, what's God's specific calling for me? But here's what I've learned as I've discerned my calling through the years. Take the next faithful step. Take the next faithful step. Start by doing what you already know to do from God's Word. Start doing what you already know. Read the parable of the talents when you get home today. It's in Matthew 25. And you'll see that Jesus was very clear. When we're faithful in little things, he'll give us bigger things to do. We've got to start doing what we already know to do. And what do we already know to do? When our text today in verses 35 and following, he's talking about the harvest, he's talking about sowing, he's talking about reaping a harvest, he's talking folks about evangelism, he's talking about sharing the gospel. We already know to do that. It's not just the calling of one who calls himself or herself an evangelist, it's all of our calling to share the gospel There are hundreds of clear-cut biblical statements telling you and I what we ought to do. Matthew 5.16, let your light shine before others so they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Be a witness, be an example, let the light of Christ shine. Matthew 5.44, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. John 13, 34, a new commandment I give you to love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also should love one another. Romans 12, 1 and 2, present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. That's your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. I could list many more, but I think that's enough for today. Here's the thing. God's clearly revealed His will for us. It's it's right here. It's already written down for us. The problem, I'm afraid, is that we're a little bit like that little girl. We don't very much want to do God's will. We're hesitant to do what He's already showed us to do. And finally, I think we need to see that God didn't that Jesus didn't just say, my food is to know the will of him who sent me. And he didn't just merely say, my food is to do the will of him who sent me. No, he said, verse 34 again, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. Jesus accomplished what he came to accomplish. That's why upon the cross, one of the very last things he said was, it is finished. I've accomplished what I came to accomplish. Nearly 40 years ago now, a little pamphlet, a little booklet titled, Many Aspire, Few Attain, touched my heart and my life and continues to speak to me. Unfortunately, it's out of print. But if you Google it when you get home, many aspire, few attain, you can find a PDF file on it uh, and, and read it for yourself. I still have my original copy and I pull it out every now and then and I take a look at it. And that booklet is a sermon Walt Hendrickson preached when he was uh, with the Navigators Ministry, uh, which started out uh, in the Navy and then spread onto the college campuses around the globe. And it's a reminder that many of us begin well in our Christian walk, but precious few of us end well. Many aspire, few attain. Many begin well, precious few end well. Many of us are like the seed in Jesus' parable, which fell on the shallow rocky soil. We start out really well, we spring up, but then our roots are so shallow that we don't end very well we don't persevere but Henderson wrote in that pamphlet that there's some things that you and I can do to finish well and I want to just share just a few of those this morning there's actually a dozen or so in the in the pamphlet but one of the ways that you and I can finish well is with a heart focused on God that our hearts are focused on God King David wrote in Psalm 27:4, one thing I ask of the Lord, this is what I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord forever to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. You see, David didn't say, I'm going to dabble in these 40 things. He said, no, one thing I seek, one thing I ask for. I want to dwell in the house of the Lord. I want to finish well. I want my heart focused on the Lord. The Apostle Paul said something similar in Philippians 3, verse 8. He said, Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For His sake, I've suffered the loss of all things. I count them as rubbish. He actually says, I count them as manure, in order that I may gain Christ. And then verse 11, that by any means possible, I may attain the resurrection from the dead. You see, David and Paul had their hearts focused on God. that They had an end goal, a dwelling in the house of the Lord forever. They were determined that they were going to finish well and they were going to accomplish God's will for their lives. So I want to ask this, are you determined? Are you focused? Are you resolute at this moment that I'm going to finish well? I'm going to run the race. I'm going to keep my focus on the living God, and I'm not giving up. And then a person who wants to finish well is going to have a hunger for God's Word. They're going to spend time in God's Word. They're going to meditate on God's word. They're they're going to apply God's word because you know what? They know that that's the very place they're going to find the will of God written down. God's already revealed what we're supposed to do in His word. So we need to understand it. We need to understand what He's saying if we're going to do it, if we're going to accomplish it. So, do you have a hunger? for scripture and then a person who accomplishes God's will who finishes well is also going to hate sin Romans 12 9 tells us abhor what is evil hold fast to what is good the word abhor actually means to throw up it means to vomit it means to hate sin so much that it makes you sick on your stomach the person who finishes well is going to hate the sin in his or her life and they're going to seek to repent. They're going to seek to change. So beloved, do we hate sin? Are we seeking to repent? And then I've already mentioned this this next one, but a person who's going to finish well, he or she's going to be faithful in the little things. When there's something to be done for the Lord, No matter how small it is, they're going to do it. You can count on it. You can check it off of your list. It's going to be accomplished because they're going to be faithful in the little things. And they're not going to worry who sees them. They're not going to worry about who gets the credit for it. All they're going to worry about is whether or not have I been faithful. Have I done what the Lord asked me to do? Are you faithful in the little things? And then a person who finishes well is not only going to do the little things, they're going to do them wholeheartedly. They're going to do them without complaining, without thinking, why do I always get stuck doing this? 2 Chronicles 25 says of King Amaziah, verse 2, he did what was right in the eyes of the Lord, yet not with a whole heart yet not with a whole heart. Apparently he did what was right, but his attitude wasn't very good. He was not wholehearted in his devotion to God. Are you and I wholehearted? When we're given a task, no matter how menial it might be, that people can say, they're wholehearted. They know it's for the service of the Lord and they're going to go after it. I can't always say that. Today's a day for all of us to examine our hearts. Are we wholehearted? Are we doing it out of just a, a sense of what an honor it is to serve the Lord? I've joked many times that I should have been keeping a list all these years of the things I do as a pastor that were not taught in seminary. But sometimes those are the ministry. Those are the very things that the Lord wants us to do, and He wants us to do them wholeheartedly. And one more thought for today those who finish well, those who accomplish what the Lord gave them to do, they avoid an independent spirit. They avoid an independent spirit. They're not mavericks. They're not loners. Some people, see, you see, they claim they want to serve. But here's the deal. They want to serve only if they can serve their way and their way only. We see this independent spirit sometimes among people who, who think they don't need the church. They, they claim to love Jesus, but not his church. Look, I, I know the church is far from perfect. I know that leaders like me are far from perfect. But I've never seen anyone finish well in the Christian walk if they didn't love the Lord's church. Never will one finish well if they don't love the Lord's church. This is the institution God established for accomplishing His will. And we're just not going to finish well if we look at the Lord and we say, I love you, Lord, but I don't like your bride. I don't love your church. Are you avoiding that kind of independent spirit? Jesus said, verse 34, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. Is that our food? Is it our pleasure and joy to do God's will and to accomplish God's will? Is it our joy and our pleasure to do what God has taught us to do in His Word? Is it our heart's desire to run our race and finish it well? Let's pray together. Lord, help us to finish well. There really is no retirement in the Christian walk. Oh, we may step down for, from a particular calling or, 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 or some, there may be something we've, we've always done that we recognize that maybe we're a little too old to do, but, but we never completely retire. And so, Lord, I pray that no matter what our age today, that we're heart-focused, that, that we're focused on you and we're committed to finishing well. Lord, I pray that, that whatever our age, that this very day we're saying, I'm going to have a hunger and a love for the Word of God. And Lord, whoever we are and whatever our calling is, I pray that we're going to commit to you in these moments, that we're going to be faithful in the little things. We're going to do them wholeheartedly, we're going to do them without grumbling. And Lord, even as we pray that prayer, somebody's going to call on us today to to clean the toilet or to do the dishes or to sweep the floor or something we don't want to do. I pray that we'd do it as if serving for you with all our heart. And then Lord, I would pray that we'd avoid that independent spirit. That we'd realize all the more as we see the day approaching, as we're told in Hebrews 10, as we see that day approaching, that we'd gather together and that we'd work together to accomplish your will. That we'd recognize that we might be living in the end days. And if we're not at the end of the days, as we know creation, we could be living in the end of our days. So help us to run our race, to do it well, Together, gather together to accomplish your will. We ask all this in your beloved son's holy name. Amen. Now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. And may the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace today and forevermore. Amen.